Welcome to the Truth Across Time podcast. I'm your host, Sheila Farmer. As a lifelong student of history and English, I enjoy learning about the cultures, customs, and lifestyles in the Bible. Please join me as we explore the fascinating world of biblical events and the people involved. You'll see that the people of the Bible had concerns, triumphs and tragedies, joys and sorrows, successes and failures, not too different from our own. But because the Bible is God's Word, we can learn spiritual, eternal truths while looking at those people. Now let's go on this adventure and explore the truths that cross the limits of time and location. This week, we're going to briefly review the last three books of the prophets in the Old Testament, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. It's important to know the very basic history and condition of Israel at the times of the prophets. It's critical to understanding their messages. Israel was a united country with a king under Saul, then David, then Solomon. But when Solomon's son Rehoboam became king, the nation split in two. This happened in 930 BC. The northern kingdom kept the name of Israel while the southern kingdom was known as Judah or Judea. Both nations, over time, fell into the worship of idols and not only permitted, but encouraged the acceptance of foreign, heathen, demonic gods. The northern kingdom had an unbroken succession of wicked kings who did nothing but lead the country further and further astray, far from the truth of the real and living God, far from their own religious teachings, and the holy mission that had been given them by God. The southern kingdom, Judah, had four good kings over a period of roughly 340 years. Not all of them in a row, but at various times. But Judah, too, had the same issues as the northern kingdom. They embraced idolatry and basically deserted God. They were spiritual harlots. God sent prophet after prophet to both kingdoms, warning them to repent and return to the true God. Otherwise, they were going to face destruction, but they didn't listen. The southern kingdom did have a few periods of repentance and revival under their four good kings, but those times didn't last long. People have a tendency to think that if punishment for sin doesn't come right away, If warnings aren't followed by immediate results, those results aren't going to happen. Human beings have an astounding ability to allow focus on the here and now to push away awareness of what is coming. If it doesn't happen quickly, it isn't going to happen. That's how people often act. But God's word is sure and true, and what he says will come to pass regardless of the passage of time, however long or short. The northern kingdom of Israel was invaded and conquered by the Assyrian Empire in 722 BC. Most of the people were carried away as captives and resettled in other lands and forced to assimilate into other cultures. They lost their land, their possessions, and their very identity as Jews. These Jews have been called the Ten Lost Tribes of Israel. The southern kingdom of Judah didn't fare much better. 
About 130 years later, in 586 BC, Judah was invaded and conquered by the Babylonian Empire. Most of the Jews of that region were taken as captives to Babylon. The difference is that these Jews didn't lose their identity as Jews. Now we come to the time of the last three prophets that we're looking at, Hagar, Zechariah, and Malachi. It's logical to talk about these three prophets together because of the times in which they wrote. All three wrote and prophesied after the Babylonian conquest and the fall of Israel and Judah. The mighty Babylonian Empire itself was conquered by the Medo-Persians around 539 BC. This was only 47 years after the Babylonians had conquered Judah. If you remember, the prophet Daniel was taken captive by Babylon, but he also lived long enough to serve under the new Medo-Persian rulers. Let's first look at Haggai. He delivered his message over a very short period of roughly four months, August to December in 520 B.C. This was 66 years after Judah had been conquered by Babylon. We can be certain of when he ministered because Haggai himself identifies it in the very first verse of the book and also because of historical events that are preserved in ancient Persian records. He was probably born in Babylonia, but we're not totally sure about that. When Persia conquered Babylon, it freed most of Babylon's political prisoners. Eventually, Emperor Cyrus gave permission to a number of Jews to return to Judah to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. It's interesting to me that even in preserved Persian records, that Cyrus's permission is recorded along with, get this, his request that those Jews pray for him. An example of this preservation is a clay document called the Cyrus Cylinder. Roughly 50,000 or so Jews returned to Judah at that time and built a foundation for the new temple. But a new emperor, Artaxerxes, came to the throne, and the work on the temple was halted for about 18 years. But then another emperor, Darius, came to the throne of Persia, and work was allowed to start again. The book of Ezra in the Bible fills in a lot of the details. Anyway, Haggai preached and taught a lot about the need for a new temple to be built. He even uses quotes from Deuteronomy to remind the people that they'll have curses, not blessings, on themselves until the temple is rebuilt. One basic piece of logic that he uses is this. The Jews have been living in their homes for about 18 years. Isn't it about time to build a home for God? Verses 3 and 4 of chapter 1 say this. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? A man named Zerubbabel took up the challenge and helped organize the people and restart the work. In verse 13, Haggai delivers this short message from God. 
I am with you. But this temple was not shaping up to be as beautiful or as grand as Solomon's temple was, which was the first temple of the Jews. But God assured them through Haggai in chapter 2, verse 9, and I'm quoting, The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, and in this place I will give peace. The prophet Ezra reported that this temple was completed in March of 515 B.C. And roughly 500 years later, Herod the Great embarked upon such an extensive remodeling and expansion job, and he beautified the temple so much that many people refer to Herod's temple as the third temple. It was made far grander than the second temple that we're talking about here. The basic message of Haggai, I think it's this. Be faithful, even when it's hard. Be obedient, even when you don't see immediate results. And remain hopeful, because the God you say you serve and trust is still in control. The second prophet of this group is Zechariah. His name literally means Yahweh remembers, or whom Yahweh remembers. He was from a priestly family and returned from exile to Jerusalem with thousands of others when Emperor Cyrus of Persia allowed them to. So he was both a prophet and a priest. He was probably very young when he returned to Jerusalem. This seems to be the case based on verse 4 of chapter 2, but we can't say for sure. His ministry spans at least two years, beginning in October or November of 520 B.C. Angels appeared in Zechariah's visions, and he had eight visions, and the messages are pretty encouraging. He emphasized that God will fulfill his promises to his chosen people. The rebuilding of the temple will bring, bring blessings to the people and to the land itself. But the most important messages are those that concern the more distant future, the time when Messiah will come and all prophecy will be fulfilled and God's presence will be without measure. He states that the nation will be judged for sin. That's verses 1 through 11 in chapter 5. But he also says that they'll be cleansed and restored. Read verses 1 through 10 in chapter 3. The last part of the book looks at the distant future and speaks about Israel's initial rejection of the Messiah and then about Jesus' eventual reign when Israel will, once and for all, be free and stable and in total harmony with God. That time is yet to come, and the prophecy is yet to be fulfilled, but we can be sure that it will be. Zechariah brought an encouraging message. In 14 chapters, he delivers more messages about the coming Messiah than any other single book of the Old Testament, with the exception of Isaiah. Last, but certainly not least, we'll look at the prophet Malachi. Malachi ministered roughly a hundred years after the Jews had returned to their homeland to rebuild the temple and the city of Jerusalem. 
Malachi warns that God is not pleased with the Jews. Again. To their credit, these Jews are not worshiping idols again. However, other sins are creeping into their national life. Here are some examples. First, many people were bringing defective animals to the temple as sacrifices to God. Some were bringing animals that were crippled or stolen or sick. Only perfect animals without blemishes or other defects were to be used as sacrifices, not to mention that stolen animals were absolutely forbidden. The people were supposed to offer their very best. They didn't understand this fully at that point, but those sacrifices symbolized the perfect sacrifice that was to come in the future, Jesus. And the priests were letting the people get away with this. Another thing, some men were marrying non-Jewish women, women who were still worshiping idols themselves. Now remember, this is partly how they got started on a really bad path centuries before. Idol worship was not to be tolerated in the culture of God's chosen people. Another thing, many Jews had stopped tithing. They were supposed to give a tenth of their income for the upkeep of the temple and its ministries. But some people were finding every excuse in the book not to. And some were just ignoring this command. And the last example is some Jews had again fallen into the practices of cheating, shortchanging their employees, taking advantage of the poor, and depriving the poor and the powerless of justice. In other words, they were taking advantage of the most vulnerable members of society. Malachi warned that judgment was coming if things didn't change. Sound familiar? Wouldn't you think they would have learned that very hard lesson once and for all? But all it takes is one generation for standards to fall. People's memories can be short, and the sin nature will push man to forget God's lessons. Malachi's main message is this. Do not expect to please God by observing rituals and going through the motions. We owe God our love, our obedience, and our sincere devotion. He knows our motives and our intentions. Never ever think that your outward works and words will make up for a heart that doesn't serve God out of love and a genuine desire to obey Him. I hope you've enjoyed this Visiting with the Prophets series. There's so much more to each one of those books than what I covered in these podcasts. Please read them and study them for yourself and ask God to open them up to your understanding. It's a lifelong project to study God's Word. It's rich and deep and so, so worth studying. Thank you for sharing in this study with me. And please join me for our next series, The Humanity of Our Heroes. Please join me on my next podcast as we study more Truth Across Time. I hope this podcast encourages you to develop a closer relationship with Jesus. 
But if you haven't made a decision to follow Christ, I pray you will ask him to be the Lord of your life today. God bless. See you next week.